Welcome to Unmask, the podcast, where we speak to our guests and look at the human behind the professional mask which they wear every day. As salespeople, we see the world through our own eyes and we see the things that we know, but we don't see the things that we don't know. And being aware of others is really crucial and important for our everyday jobs and probably our entire life. This is why in this podcast, we don't want to think outside our own box and try to get out of it, but we want to think inside of somebody else's box to understand how they see the world. Today, we have Irina Ivanova on the show. Irina is a mental well-being trainer, an anti-burnout coach, a mindfulness, emotional intelligence, and leadership trainer. I personally have worked with Irina, and I know her story. Together with various teams, I've gone through her training, and trust me, it really makes a difference. Sometimes not immediately, like for myself. But learning her tools and being able to come back to them when you really need them, that's extremely valuable. And that's what I've experienced. Especially us in SaaS sales, we face a lot of pressure and a lot of stress, which gets even harder when you're working in a hybrid or a fully remote environment. Now, if you are a follower of this podcast, you will know that we always begin at the beginning to understand why Irina thinks the way she thinks and what we can learn from her for our sales jobs in the SaaS industry. If you enjoy listening to this episode, then hit that subscribe button. It really makes a difference. Enjoy this particular show. And if you could think of anybody who you think this might be relevant for, then please share it. But now let's enjoy the conversation with Irina Ivanova. Irina, could you share with us what your childhood was like? What was your upbringing like? Absolutely, Henry. So I uh, grew up in Ukraine. I grew up in the part of Ukraine where the war started back in 2014. While the world didn't know about it, the war was already at our door. So I grew up in the city of Donetsk. Um, I didn't grow up in a very wealthy family. And also the area around us was not very safe. The school I went to had really lovely teachers and nice kids, but um, it was not the best school that you could go to. So I always felt like I want more. I want to live in a safer area where I walk in the middle of the night and I have to always watch my back because you don't know when you could be attacked. I would want to have things that other kids had. And while my parents were very loving and caring and, you know, replaced all what we missed in terms of, you know, things with love, I still felt like, you know, I, I would like to have more. I, I wish I could see the world and I wish I could, you know, learn from other people around. So when I was 15 years old, I participated in the program that took one of the best and you know what is the best that is your language skills that is your psychological state whether you're ready or not and it's how flexible you are in terms of the mindset it took the best kids to the u.s the program the program was called future leaders exchange Pro program flex so out of thousand people kids they chose 20 and i was one of the 20 uh, kids that got to go uh, to the United States and live there for one year in a host family. And everything was covered. 
Uh, they paid for the flight. They paid for, you know, the stay in the host family. I went to high school. Um, and, you know, it was like a fairy tale come true. It was very hard to leave my family, my parents. But I felt like, wow, this is it. You know, I am living the dream because um, the host family had so many opportunities to take me around, to travel. I was studying the subjects that I would never imagine to study, like American history and literature, you know, The Great Gatsby, you know, it, it was just wow. And, you know, I eventually improved my English skills so much that I could participate in a theater and I was on stage, you know, being an actress with a very strong accent. So it was amazing. And after one year in the United States, I came back home and that's where a real cultural shock hit me, you know, because you struggle to go to a new culture, but you struggle more when you come back home, different, changed wanting more, knowing more, and suddenly you are back to, you know, the life where no one changed. And so I, I really felt like out of place and I felt like Ukraine is amazing, but I do want more. So I want to study abroad. And so after, you know, four years, I finally, you know, got a chance. I got a scholarship to come to the Netherlands, to Amsterdam and do my master degree in marketing and in human resources. Again, it was a scholarship, fully paid. You know, I worked hard for having it. And so there was in Amsterdam having a great student life and feeling like, you know, I am really living my dream. And, you know, finally I, you know, get to study where I want and, you know, be surrounded by international people. And I don't have to come back home because the program actually wanted you to stay in the Netherlands and to, you know, then join companies because that's how they attract the best talent. So that, that's basically my childhood, you know. I loved where I grew up, but I always wanted more and I worked really hard to get there. And after those couple of opportunities, I felt like, you know, I made it. I'm there. Now, what happened next? I guess we can talk about it a, li a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really fascinating story. And I, I can re very much resonate with the fact going back somewhere and seeing that nothing has changed. How, how did the people around you react when you came back? Well, so first of all, the funny, uh, the funny uh, side of it is that when I went to US, the food was so different that I gained, and you wouldn't believe me, almost 20 kilos. So. Whoa. I did look like a different person, even if I exercised, I did cross country. I was on a swimming team. I was not eating super unhealthy, but guess what? I came back home after one year plus, you know, 15 to 20 kilos. So I did look different, but I lost those 15 kilos in a year. That's just how, how, you know, the body is, you know, it, it immediately goes back to its balance. So that's on the, you know, physical side. Now, on the, you know, mental and emotional side, I just felt like, you know, I've seen so much more and I see things so much more different, you know, tolerating people, inclusivity, you know, living in different cultures, all of that, what you have in U.S., it does kind of show you how everybody can get along and, you know, live, you know, quite a, a good life, American dream. That was for me missing in Ukraine, 
because, well, you pretty much live around Ukrainians, which grew up in a certain way, know certain things. And, you know, back then, that was 2001, 2002, actually, Ukraine was different. You know, it, it was still in the time where, you know, we didn't have supermarkets and where, you know, to get anything, you had to go to the market. So it was still a couple of steps behind. So I felt like, you know, I've experienced a different life. I've seen things different and thought differently. And uh, the environment around me in Ukraine did not really understand it. And looking at your role, which you do today, your profession, how would you think the people you grew up with interpret this? Yeah, how would they feel about seeing that back then, yeah. right? I think it would be very helpful for them. You know, it would be very eye-opening for them to, to see the world through a different lens, right? Yeah. Because in U.S., you know, democracy and the way people are, well, was a few steps ahead. You know, they kind of already thought through the things that we had to get to. Because here is the thing, when you are kind of fighting for survival and just having, you know, the shelter, the food, uh, the, the roof above your home, you don't really think about, you know, uh, spiritual things. You don't think about, you know, well-being. You just need to cover the basics. And so I felt like Ukraine is about covering the basics where in U.S. people were like, okay, the basics are covered. We are safe. We have everything in place. Now, what else is out there? Let's explore, you know, let's, let's look into other things like, you know, yoga, mindfulness, well-being. And actually that's what happened. A lot of this came from, you know, West to our side because, you know, U.S. was already looking into it a few years before we did, at least in Ukraine. And when did you have that kind of awareness or mindset shift that you saw it? And I, and I mean, now you can explain it years later, but did you have like an aha moment in your career or your time in Amsterdam when you came where you said, you know, there's, this is what is different. And this is, I'm very conscious about the differences. So I believe my aha moment in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam, when I came there, was just seeing how many opportunities you have and how this is all up to you, the choices that you make and then working for hard for it, actually, you know, getting there. So it was just amazing to see that as long as you prepare, you study, you work hard, you invest you know, your efforts in a very, you know, fair way, you're going to get there. It's going to take you some time, but, you know, just to tell you a little bit more of my story, you know, after graduating with a master degree, in a couple of months, I found my dream job, which was in marketing. I studied marketing, so it was in marketing, the title of business development manager, but mainly developing relationship, you know, basically selling, but not direct selling, but by influencing, you know, our end users. So I started working in a large label and packaging organization. And you know what? I, I loved it in the beginning because that's what I thought I always dreamed about. That's what I thought I always wanted to. And the first three years was, was traveling, you know, 
meeting the customers, you know, doing some marketing campaigns. So it was it. I was on the top of the world. But I think it was three or four years after I started feeling that, you know what, I want more, I need more, and uh, I've done it all. It's great. But is it really the thing that I want to do? Marketing? Is it really my thing? And I started realizing that what I like about it is people side, is training side, is getting to meet new people from all over the world. Uh, but actually, you know, the products that I was working on and, um, you know, the marketing side was no longer interesting for me. So I had a little crisis. I realized, well, looks like all my life was about getting here and I don't feel satisfied anymore. What is wrong with me? You know? Uh, so there was an aha moment that I've changed or I've realized that I want something else. So I started looking for something else. And back then, you know, there was the first yoga studio that opened in Amsterdam where I went to. And after a session, a yoga session, I felt great. Wow, what is this? I want more of it. And then, you know, the first meditation and mindfulness, you know, practices popped up and I tried and I thought, whoa, I mean, everybody needs to know about it. So, you know, my next aha moment was looking for something more, finding it and feeling like, yeah, this is it. This feels right, you know, and pursuing it. And so after yeah. about six to eight years in my job and on the side, studying, doing yoga, mindfulness, stress management, I started going into different areas. I realized that actually my job was no longer what I wanted. And my passion now is something that I want to live daily. I want to do every day and I'm ready to actually, you know, quit my job, as I call it, jump. And see what happens because there was so much more energy that I got out of my passion. And I felt confident that if I give it all, it probably give me back everything. So 100% in means 100% output to you. So I jump and here I am eight years being a wellpreneur, entrepreneur in well-being, training people talking about mindfulness, resilience, teaching yoga, breathing, and I'm not sorry a day about my decision. I love the story and especially the aha moment of where you say you, you realize something that you want to change. What I'm curious about, and this is something which a lot of people like us in the, in the ZAS sales world experience because we're pushed out into the world and it says you could work from anywhere, you're remote, uh, follow your passion. There's a lot of pressure on the individuals and mm -hmm. most of us probably don't have the history like you that you fought for it but we you know we had a we come from a different kind of environment where we've gone through the universities and like you said the people in the US or in where I am in Germany or in Amsterdam we haven't experienced these things so it's a lot of stress on there and we think a lot of these things are maybe normal what i'm curious about is what were the stressors that you felt with your corporate experience and how did you identify them? And was it more of a, a pull going towards somewhere else or was it also a push, an inner dialogue where you said, I need to get out of this. What is my way? And you found a way. Yeah. And, you know, taking a step back, I must say that one of the things that made me quit my job, because it wasn't that easy just from one day to another, it was 
a lot of inner struggle. I was in a beautiful golden cage, you know, with 50 days of holidays, great salary. You can spend on wonderful things. You know, people were amazing. Uh, just this was not what I wanted to do. But then the war happened in Ukraine. I was sitting at my, you know, desk work and suddenly my mom calls me, you know, and she never calls me from Ukraine. It's very expensive to call from Ukraine to the landline of the Netherlands. And she says, Irina, you know, we are here and I can hear the planes, the warplanes flying, you know, I can hear explosions. I don't know what's going on, but I think the war started. And, you know, for me to hear that there is a war is like for you to hear that the war in you is in Germany. Like, you know, you, you wouldn't be like, what? Like, you know, that this, this breaks your world. You, you can't accept it. You can't, you know, understand it. And so at that moment, you know, my whole world crashed and I realized that there is so much uncertainty in the world and things can change so much in just a minute that you just need to live your life now. You just need to do it all now because you don't know what's going to happen to you in a year and where you're going to be. And you might be sorry about missing the moment. So the inner struggle was, first of all, about, you know, my values, realizing that I cannot wait anymore. I need to live the life I want to live now. That was that. Now, the second struggle that I had is when I quit my job after being a manager, having a team, recognized, being a, you know, a highly a talent that company was developing, I became nobody. You know, if on Monday I was normally stressed about how many emails I got on my regular job, here nobody was sending me emails on Monday. And that is this silence that you get and you wonder, who am I? What am I going to give to the world? How is it going to go? You know, it's great to be brave, but what's next? You know, am I going to make it? So that was tough. But when you're an entrepreneur, especially when you love what you do or when you're in sales and you are passionate about what you do, the first months and year, you just go on passion. It doesn't matter what happens. You just do it because you love it. And, you know, there's enthusiasm and there is, you know, let's try it again. So that was what was happening. I was just doing it out of pure passion, loving what I do, finally doing, you know, things that I believed in, feeling great. And yes, the seller was not really there. The maybe recognition was not there, but I was building up my reputation, my customers, my experience. And on the second year, you know what? I knew who I was. I knew what I had to offer to the world. And on a third year, finally, your customers, your network started working for you because they knew now who I am and they valued, you know, my loyalty, my positivity, my message. And not everybody, you know, there's always this 5 to 20% of people or customers who will never be yours. It's always going to be, you know, that crowd that will never get you and support you. But I focused on that, let's say, 20 to 30% who were really my followers and supporters. And on the rest that were just watching and observing, curious, how is it going to go? And so I'm very happy that I 
got through that inner struggle of being nobody to, you know, again, building up myself, me, my brand, and my patient helping me to actually make it in a very tough entrepreneur, entrepreneurial role and in the space of well-being and finally, you know, getting to work with big companies, big tech names, and uh, giving them the message that helped me back when I was at work and reminding people that it's not all about, you know, work. There's also life and you have to keep your balance. So that's it. What I always experience when I speak to people who are solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, especially the beginning is a, is a stressful time, stress of uh, like uncertainty. Like you said, there's a lot of inner dialogue until you find your kind of motive and you can describe it clearly who you are where you want to go and i find it fascinating if you're a well-being trainer and coach and you you're you train the opposite and now you put yourself into a situation where most people experience a lot of stress one thing i want to ask about that is and it's kind of about the implications of the inner stress which you cause yourself and the situational stress which you get from external factors how would you balance that and let's say you've experienced the corporate world and you work with a lot of people in in SaaS sales i know how are the kind of yeah the what are the biggest breakthroughs that people have or where you can support them or the biggest dialogues people have the difficulties yeah absolutely and you know it's a very good question because i always remind myself because i like to apply things for me see if they work for me and then give them to my students, to the network, because if it works for me, likely others will feel the same. To remind myself that there are things that I will never be able to control. And I would talk, and that would be that, that situational stress, you know, that the things going wrong, the things getting tougher, uncertainty, you know, the stress you experience, you know, from a last minute deadline, but also from your child getting sick and you never planning for that on holiday. These are the things that you cannot control. And the best thing that we can do as adults is just to accept and tolerate it as a bumpy road. Knowing that it's temporary, you're going to get there. And it's just time to, you know, buckle up a little bit and keep going with full acceptance that this is what's happening. You, you don't feel great about it, but you also know that there is light end of the, of the tunnel, you know, because this is temporary. And what I like to focus on myself is on my inner stress, my inner dialogue which is what I can control because it's within my head, my thoughts and emotions, and help myself to, you know, take a step back, take a breath, recover, and think, what do I learn from it? What is the best thing that I can do here? How can I take a better care of myself? Because often our inner dialogue and stress comes from the fact that we neglected our body. And our body through stress showed us red flags saying, hey, you need to get out, have a walk. You need to sleep. You need to eat something, you know. And by doing these very simple self-care things, 
we feel better. And it feels like we can finally control something. So finding those little micro, you know, areas of influence in our life and accepting that there will be always things that we cannot control and just letting go of them and knowing that we live in a wild world that's uncertain, that's changing. But hey, maybe this is definition of life and experience, trying the good, the bad, and the ugly in life, you know, and knowing that you need all of them at certain point. This is real balance if you think about it. So yeah, these are some of the things. Looking at the world today, and we met when the world was still different before the pandemic. And at that time, the world was primarily based on the working world in, in technology sales, especially was based on presence, being in an office, having your surrounding. So the external framework was given to the employees, to, to the people working. And my perception is that it's dramatically changed into not a like presence-based work culture, but a performance-based work culture, which means if you trust your employees and you let them work from everywhere, you're still going to need some kind of mechanism which says, hey, you have a deadline to do, you do it at your own time when it works for you, wherever you are, whenever you want. But that brings a lot of tension and pressure to the individual is my personal feeling and experience and it has changed out of your perspective i'm curious to know how do you think it has changed and what do you think the real problems are that we are facing in this new world so moving from in person to the digital side these hybrid meetings right where you know you were sitting in the same room and now you have some people online right so what is different and that is the question right Yes, and also saying there used to be a saying 80% of your job is just showing up because if you were there, you're already part of it, right? And all of a sudden, you don't have to show up. You just have to go into an online meeting and you could do that from a, a cafe anywhere in the world. And all of a sudden, showing up is different. All of a sudden, accountability has a different value. Mm -hmm. And my perception is it does something with the individuals. And I'm just curious to to get your perspective on it, if, if you feel that that is true, maybe I'm, I'm missing the point. But yeah, out of the, the stress factors and what we in, in, in our worlds can, can do about it. Yeah, that's a great question. And you know, what I noticed, uh, Henry, is that the number of meetings, online meetings, has doubled or tripled. And the luckiest of us spend maybe 30%, the rest spend 50 to 70% of their time in online meetings. So it mm. feels like the amount of meetings has, you know, quadrupled. And if you want to survive and not just, you know, pass away in front of the screen doing a meeting after meeting, you want to really be strategic about which meetings you participate in. Because many meetings are not for us, but for priorities of others, and they don't really have any impact for us. So I would say every time a meeting invite comes into your mailbox, instead of by default or autopilot accepting it, you want to ask yourself, what is the point of this meeting? And what is my value add in this meeting? Am I adding value to them? Or are they adding value to me? And if you cannot answer any of these questions, very respectfully, you want to decline. 
Now, declining in advance is respectful because you show people that from the beginning you guard your agenda and you are the gatekeeper of your time. So by saying, sorry, you know, I don't know what is the point of the meeting, please explain to me, or just declining, you, you know, save your very precious time and attention, mental resources. And then the time that you gain, you can invest into working on your projects, working on that 20% that is going to move the needle and give you that 80% of the results and being in the right meetings. So the first thing that I recommend, you know, watch your agenda, be a gatekeeper of all the meetings and say no from the beginning or challenge it. You will show people that you are mindful about uh, where you are and where you spend your time. Number two, I want to remind us that being in front of the screen is more tiring than being in person because it's very unnatural to sit and look at one dot, one screen for a couple of hours. Your brain shuts down. Now, there are studies that say maximum, you know, um, two or three back-to-back meetings. After that, on the fourth meeting, your brain shuts down and you're not there. You don't want to be there. You're not engaging. You just sit and you're kind of sitting in this autopilot mode, maybe doing some emails, not feeling great about it either. So make sure that you have some buffers in your agenda where you have time to get up, move, refresh, take care of your body and get back to, you know, to your work, to the screen, feeling refreshed. So taking breaks now that we're working digitally is more important than ever. And finally, having boundaries. Because in the past, we would, you know, go from office to home, have that half an hour of ride, of train, and refresh ourselves and come back home feeling disconnected or mainly disconnected. Now, when you get up from your, you know, desk and move into the kitchen, there is not enough space and time to disconnect. So I recommend to create like little, you know, disconnect yourself buffer times in between work and home. Get up, go for a walk, go for a walk with your dog, your wife, your kids, uh, your husband, and uh, make sure that you come back home refreshed and feel like your full attention is on the home mode where you are ready to, you know, be a father, to be a partner, to be a friend. And the work has closed. All the tabs of working on your mind are closed because you had half an hour of movement, of breathing, disconnecting from what was on your mind. So these are the things. It's always so basic and obvious, but it's really hard to do. One thing I've realized in a lot in our industry, people change jobs a lot. If they get frustrated with culture, they want to go somewhere else. And what would you give these people who feel maybe stressed, unheard, uh, on being filled unheard is also a form of stress. You've already given a few very actionable tips on how to plan your day, buffers, time for yourself. We've had people on the podcast in the past where we talk about synchronous and asynchronous communication, which I really try to embody a little bit more into my everyday not saying we always have to have a meeting. Maybe I just send a video of three minutes and not let people sit there for 15 minutes in a, in a call. But maybe some, some actionable items about people 
feeling the stress? I mean, you, you gave a few very practical tips, but maybe a few more about actually listen to, listening a little bit deeper into your inner self. You know, and one of the most practical things to do is to, in the moment, to stop and ground through your feet. And actually, let's all do that right now. If you're listening, just feel the, the connection of your feet to the ground and maybe hips to the chair. Because as soon as you do that, you connect to your body. Now, I always say, mind is a dangerous jungle. Don't go there alone. <laughs> your body is always feeling safe and filled with solutions. So connect to your body and live in your body, not in your mind you will find much more solutions of what to do in the moment. So stopping and grounding through your feet. Whenever you feel stressed, whenever you feel overwhelmed, or whenever you feel uh, upset or angry, then you want to breathe. And breathing is best done when it's done from deep abdominal area. So just find that belly button and, you know, feel that you're breathing from that space and your, you know, your abdominal area is like a balloon expanding when you inhale and releasing as you exhale. Now, if you like, you can exhale through your mouth because that's a very nice way to let go of pressure building up, but also make your next inhale deeper and longer. When we exhale deeper, we inhale deep. So let's all do that. Let's do that deep in. Open your lips and deep out. Feeling your feet. So we come back to our body. And then you take a moment to think. And back to my point, ask yourself, what is that what I need right now? How can I take a very good care of myself? You know, do I need to have a bathroom break? Do I need to have a glass of water. We all walk dehydrated during the day and that drops our energy down a lot. Or do I need to get up and move? You know, I just have this feeling of uh, I need to get outside and move and act on it. Because we often notice things, but we don't act on them and our body continues signaling those things. So if you can add this little micro break of Stopping, feeling your feet, breathing, breathing deep, and thinking what you need into your morning, you know, into your lunchtime, during the day when you start feeling energy going down and before disconnecting, you're actually going to be practicing this self-awareness. And self-awareness means you can do self-regulation because you can only regulate things that you feel and aware of in your body or in your mind. You're going to notice how you're not only recovering in the evening and it's not enough time, but you actually recover during the day and that added into your full recovery bucket and you feel less stressed in the evening. So just do this little stop, breathe, think exercise during the day and that will be your way to de-stress and feel so much better in every moment of the day. I, I love that and I have used that in the past and it has definitely helped. So thank you for that. Irina, before we go to the last question, I kind of want to ask, is there anything you think we're missing, which is important for the audience to, to understand and know? And the audience is obviously mostly people that work in, in the SaaS sales environment. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, 
I was thinking uh, about myself back in sales. I was a business development manager and in marketing. And I realized that there was a lot of competition. Now, companies encourage competition because that means people want to get better. They deliver more. They, they get more things done. So, you know, it's, it's good for the company. But if I have to give myself an advice, uh, back to my time in sales, I would say instead of having competition with others, have a competition with yourself. Because when you have competition with others, someone loses or someone wins. And eventually that's not a great balance because the person who lost will always feel sour and somehow this can translate into, you know, the, the, the downturn in relationships, in a certain conflict. It's not great when someone loses. So, you know, let's, let's not do that. Also, because when you compare yourself to others, you always have a drop of confidence and self-esteem because others always seem to be doing a better job. You don't know their story. You don't know how long they worked for that. But when we compete with others, everyone loses. So instead of competing with others, compete with yourself, with yourself, you know, a year ago and where you got now, right? So kind of compare yourself to a year ago where you are now and where you want to be. You know, 1% of improvement every day. I know Henry also preached that, you know, just 1% a day is going to get you, you know, by the end of the year where you want. Not as fast, but, you know, you're going to get there. But even better, instead of competing with yourself, instead of pushing yourself, instead of having very high uh, expectations, be your own best friend. Because every time we set very high or harsh standards, goals to ourselves, and we don't achieve them, our body goes in a state of stress, inner stress. And eventually this could take us into anxiety, depression, burnout, simply because you expect too much of yourself. Now, what would your best friend do for you? They would not want you to fail, be weak, demotivate you. They would give you the right words, the right motivation, the right bar and standards so that you can achieve them, feel good about yourself and do it in a sustainable way. So being your best friend means supporting yourself, setting realistic standards, knowing that sometimes better done than perfect and knowing that you want to have your own back no matter what, because if you don't, others will not be able to do that as well. You teach others how you want to treat them by treating yourself like that. So be your own best friend. That is from competition to inner competition to just simply being your own best friend. That's what I recommend to sales. Arena, I really want to thank you for coming on the podcast. And I personally really want to thank you for the lessons which you've given me in the past. I, I really honestly believe it's made a huge difference to, to my life. Not especially when we did the trainings, but I told you this before as well. You know, sometimes you go through family situations or you go through work situations which are tough and hard, especially if you have two kids and you work in sales. There's a lot of stress out there and having a toolbox to fall back onto has been really, really valuable for me. 
and 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 knowing that it really made a difference so thank you it's uh, it's ha it has changed my life and now i want to come to the fast last question which i ask everybody on the podcast which is is there a lesser known fact about you that is because it's called unmasked the podcast we ask to around the person behind the mask a lesser known fact about you that you don't tell everybody but you have something which which makes you who you are today no absolutely it's a good one you know well i i am a mother i'm a mother of a six months old seven months time flies baby and I realized that she is my best teacher and she is the one who makes me continuously, you know, learn about myself, about my stress. And I know, I know as a, as a mindfulness teacher, but as also someone who really looks into the body and impact on the body that children they, especially children before two years old, they do not uh, have their formed nervous system. So what they do, they pick up on the emotions and the states of mind of their parents by watching body language, things that we wouldn't even know about. And they are starting to pick up on your very subtle mood, emotions, and stress. So I'm doing my best to, you know, manage my stress. To make sure that my baby grows up in a very safe and happy space. Um, and sure, sometimes you didn't have a good night. So, you know, your day becomes stressful because you don't have enough resources. But I just, you know, get out for half an hour, have my coffee, have my walk and come back being myself, being calm and sharing that with my baby. Because I, I truly believe that babies mirror our inner world, our inner emotions. And so if you don't like how your baby is acting, sometimes ask yourself whether you have your own inner conflict to deal with. And start from that, because that's what's going to help the baby. So yeah, I guess I'm a mother. Uh, it's tough. I'm loving it, but I'm also sometimes hating it. And I never thought it's going to be so tough. And what did I sign up for? But hey, it's all worth it. And if anything, you know, it makes you a better human being, more patient and more understanding towards other parents in the world. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for coming to the show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the full episode of Unmasked, the podcast. If you've enjoyed then, then please hit that subscribe button. It makes a difference. Thank you so much. Irina and I are also available on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place to connect with us. So reach out. You will find all the social links in the show notes. So follow and share the love. Thank you for tuning in. And I hope to meet you next time on the next episode.